Welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number 116. My name is CJ Schrader, and this is part two of our FAQ episode. So we're going to be diving right in with card-by-card card stories. But first off, my two co-hosts, we got Jess Dunks and Brian Pilliman. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello. And back with us again, we have the indomitable Matt Tayback. Indomitable. Indomitable. He's possibly He's even formidable. Formidable. You can't formidable. knock him over. I used to be ferocious. Now I'm formidable. Oh, I mean, yes. Matt, Matt right. Tayback weebles, but he won't fall down. Yes. I was just going to make a weebles joke. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> well, you guys I are... totally fall down. I'm, I'm pretty tall, so you hit me in the knees. <laughs> this is top heavy. Uh, What's going on, guys? Uh... Thank you for joining us again for part two. My pleasure. Yeah. So let's dive right in. We're going to start with the first one we have written down here. Ancestral Ancestral Statue uh, is a four mana three four. When Ancestral Statue enters the battlefield, return a non-land permanent you control to its owner's hand. So the only relevant thing to say about this ability is it is not optional. It does not target. And if it's the only non-land permanent you have, yeah, you have to bounce it. Uh, it may also be worth noting that if someone were to kill it in response and you had something else you really didn't want to bounce, well, you still have to bounce that something else. So so let's ask the all-important question here. Is this a statue of your ancestor or a statue that is your ancestor? Um, I mean, it's a creature. I hope you're not asking me that. Uh, <laughs> yes? Oh, how many it's, people... It's a golem. It's a creature. How many people on this podcast have written a flavor article? Hmm. Oh, uh, uh, oh. Um, one. <laughs> I actually did, believe it or not, I have written a flavor article. Not on the site. No, 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 not on, <laughs> not on the main magic site, no. Uh, I, but It is true that I am the author, I'm the one-time author of a uh, Uncharted Realms story featuring the adorable Fibblethip. Is that is that uh is that the official pronunciation of uh of the the homunculus? Heck no, that's just how I do it. The person who pronounces it really well actually is Nathan Holt of Walking the Plains fame. He did an episode looking for Fibblethip, and the way he pronounced it was fantastic. <laughs> you should go look in the archives. I can't tell you off the top of my head which episode it is, but just watch them all. You won't be sorry. Well, it'll CJ will put it in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, the curse of the show is if you say it, I have to go find it and put it in the show notes. Oh, great. So I once read on Wikipedia that... <laughs> All right, card two. All right, uh, Ereshin Sovereign. Uh, for five green-white, it's a 6-6 six, six flying dragon. Uh, when Ereshin Sovereign dies, you may put it on top or uh, top or bottom of its owner's library. So uh, the point here is, so it says when Ereshin Sovereign dies, which means it actually has to go from the, gra- uh, from the battlefield to the graveyard, so it actually has to hit the graveyard, um, it still has to be in the graveyard when the ability resolves. So if if something happens and you remove it or it gets removed from the graveyard, it's, it's the ability is not going to be able to find it anymore. And then um, if you control your opponent's Ashran Sovereign when it dies, so you control you control it, it dies, you put it in their graveyard, but then you get to decide whether or not it goes... Uh, actually, it says you may, so you can leave it in the graveyard, or you can decide whether you put it on the top or bottom of your opponent's uh, graveyard. Or, sorry, library. That's cute. It is cute. You're probably going to leave it in the graveyard unless they're, like, reanimation something, and then otherwise stick it on the bottom. Uh, delve? Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're probably going to... In a set with Delve, I'm probably going to put it on the bottom of the library, but, uh, you know, I might randomly determine which it is just to tilt them. Um... <laughs> I don't know. Either way, I, I, I like this card because it's a cute chubby dragon, which I'm glad we, there's a change from the, fero- the very, very angry looking dragons we've seen. 
Well, I identify as a cute Joey dragon, so I'm really glad we finally have a card that represents me. Wow. Wow. I didn't know. Okay. So no, I went over like a. Uh, let me just edit that uh, one out. Like huge chubby dragon. <laughs> uh, all right. It is important to us that magic appeal to a wide variety of demographics. Yes. That, that one gets you. Well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the next card is uh, Assault Formation. Assault Formation is an enchantment that costs one and a green. It says each creature you control assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power. So it's a one-sided door in the Siege Tower, for those that remember that card. Uh, and it has two abilities. The first one says, pay one green mana. Target creature with defender can attack this turn as though it didn't have defender. And pay two generic and one green. Creatures you control get plus zero, plus one until end of turn which, because of its first ability, just pumps them into oblivion for, for doing damage, which is pretty awesome. Um, it doesn't actually change the power of the creature, so cards that f make creatures fight each other don't care about that ability. Formidable is a big one. Um, yeah, yeah or, or formidable. The, the, yeah, anything that cares about power, ferocious, formidable, all of that, it doesn't look at this ability. This yeah. only affects the damage that the creature deals. Right, and there's some other things that, like, care about can't be blocked unless its power is greater than x or any of those kind of things it doesn't interact with those the power the actual power value does not change right it only affects combat damage much like first strike only affects combat damage so a quick little uh bit of rules trivia on this one we don't actually have a rule that would cover the case if two of these abilities were to conflict with one another if, if another one said each creature you control assigns combat damage equal to its collector number or <laughs> The current date or some, you know some other number we actually don't have a rule that would cover a conflict so it's no accident that this one does exactly the same thing that Doran and the siege tower did That's now so if we ever make a card that does uh, writing that rule is pretty trivial but the fact remains it's just it's not there yet so is that a spoiler for the next unset absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> there is no next unset what are you talking about what next unset what are you talking about <laughs> he doesn't even know about the previous unsets. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to stop at one unset. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, all right, Matt, you promised us if the listeners asked for certain voices, you would read some of these things in those voices. Oh, okay. Voices. Great. Yes. Voices. Everyone loves voices. I'm here to entertain. Yeah, not to educate. I was, I, I was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading over this uh, Facebook thread, uh, facebook.com slash judgecast. Thank you. Where people could, hey, no problem, uh, come up with different voices and things that they wanted me to do because we thought it'd be funny. Um, I will uh, preface this by saying, one, I'm really bad at this. I do not claim to have any talent whatsoever when it comes to voices. And two, if I'm doing an accent that is associated with a particular geographic region or nation and people who live in that nation and have that accent are listening, I'm really, really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm basically a cartoon character. Don't take me that seriously. Okay. What card are we on? We're on Avatar, Avatar of the Resolute, I believe, is the card that we're on. Great. So, so do you want to do you start with what's what's one of the ones that was picked most frequently? I think we've got we've got Klingon. Well, we've got like, like we've got bad Scottish accent, like okay. uh, like Jimmy Doohan in Star Trek or Daryl Sean Connery. 
I think this is the card for that, personally. Right. So, Avatar of the Resolute. It's a creature. 3-2 creature. It's an avatar. It's got reach and trample. And it's got an ability. It says, Avatar of the Resolute enters the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each other creature you control with a plus one, plus one counter on it. It's great. It's got layers. However, it's got this change because of layers. It's not an ogre, but it's not a bad creature. <laughs> yes, we need more of this. Wow. This is like like we need more of. And in, and, yes. and in the morning, it's making waffles. Oh, that was donkey. Oh, yeah, I don't. I don't... Okay. <laughs> okay, so, so I was sitting here in in shock that. Did we? Did you actually talk about the card, or did you just read it? He, he read it and mentioned that it had that it involved the power of the Slayer. Yeah. Okay. So you gotta have some patience, son. I tell you something. It's not a trigger. It's a replacement effect. So it enters the battlefield with the counter. It doesn't enter and get the counters later. If other creatures enter that have counters placed on them as they enter the battlefield, they are not counted. Oh. <laughs> I think we're all in shock. Yes. That that is correct. Uh, obviously, that's I'm correct. It's... We can concentrate while we do work here. <laughs> All right. Oh man, Clone Legion. Clone Legion costs a million mana, and it says for each creature target, it's a sorcery. For each creature target player controls, put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of that creature. So. I'll try to summarize this. Uh, one important thing is all the token creatures enter the battlefield at the same time. Uh, sometimes there's a card, you know, if a card said something like enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter for each other creature on the battlefield, well, it would only see cards that were on the battlefield before all the copies are made, things like that. Oh, jeez. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> this card. I'm trying to summarize copying, basically. Uh, if you copy a, a face down creature, either through manifest or morph, it's going to be a face down uh two two i'm sorry the card's gonna be face up but the uh the characteristics of the copy is going to be a two two creature with no names abilities or anything else it doesn't matter if they turn their card face up later it's kind of weird that you have a face up token copy that's a copy of a face down creature but hey that's the rules man yeah right well if you recall face up face down is a status so there yes. are four status categories and those basically talk about the physical orientation of your cards the most famous of course being tapped and untapped so if you think about it like a clone doesn't copy whether the creature's tapped or not so likewise it doesn't copy whether it's face up or face down all right all right uh, for more information on copy effects, our old episode, Do You Copy, covers them, and they haven't changed since then. But I'll cover a few other things here. Um, they <laughs> <if laughs> haven't changed by the time of this FA or release notes. Jeez, um, if you change copy effects, <laughs> I'm going to just be upset. Um, if you copy something with X in its mana cost, mostly... Hydras, then X will be zero. So that usually doesn't work out for you because most of the time they enter with X counters, but you're making a copy of something uh, where X is going to be zero and you're not going to get any counters. So it's just saying Hydras are the perfect defense against this card. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yes, you do not have to worry about your opponent not casting the spell on you if you have Hydras. Right, exactly. I, yeah. I've also heard, and I'm not one to really talk about this uh, because it's strategy and what do I know, but I've heard a really good defense against this card is ending the game before turn 15. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yes, it's... Uh, I hadn't thought a, about that. It's a reasonable strategy. <laughs> I'm not going to knock it. It doesn't, doesn't work as well in Commander, but... 
But in real magic formats, yeah. Uh, yeah. it it, this, it works just. This fun. card is super fun though, so I, I definitely have cast it in a playtest. I'm glad this effect exists. I'm sad it's on what is realistically not a great card. You you shut your mouth, tiny leader man. <laughs> How could this effect exist on a great card? Like two uh, in a blue? Like no, you guys you don't you don't understand. This is this is my ability. This is this is the type of card I love. So, Brian, did you add this <laughs> this dash comment? What? This, uh, uh, if the copy creature was dashed, the copy won't have haste, but you won't have to bounce it. I mean, that's yeah. a true statement, but you have a sorcery here, and dash is casting the creature, so you're going to have to jump through some hoops to get somebody hey, to man. dash. You dash your own creature hey. and then play Clone Leech. We're rules and target curve. yourself. Rules yeah. curve. Okay. I was looking. I was looking to like tie in with like mechanics from the set and stuff. Yeah, bro. That's why I even got the comment about uh, Sarkon the Dragon Speaker. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. well, I didn't think about targeting yourself with this. I never play good enough creatures to target myself with spells like this. Um, so that makes sense. So if you have the Sarkon the Dragon Speaker, speaker. Um, yes, and it's and, been plus one. Yep, and made, and made into its dra- the red dragon. So, and you cast this card, uh, you will get a copy, but the copy will be the Planeswalker Dragon, Sarkon the Dragon Speaker, yep. uh, which is all well and good. Um, so you won't be a creature and you will have a, uh, you will have a Planeswalker, Sarkon the Dragon Speaker, and you will have a creature, Sarkon the Dragon Speaker, and they'll exist at the same time until end of turn and then bad things happen. Which maybe in other sets that weren't so time travel focused, that would be confusing, but it just kind of makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, sure. All right, I think that's enough with Clone Legion. I guess be careful if you have a legend out yep. to cast this on yourself. Don't do not do that. That'd be bad. But you can always get your uh, your opponent's legends. Thanks, Matt Tabak. Oh, I'm sorry. What? You're talking to me? Yes. He's, he's, I, he's I think he's upset about the legend rule change from no, a while I'm back. I'm not no, upset. not at all. Champion that change. It's a yeah. great change. No, I'm not upset about it at all. I'm thinking Matt Tabak. He's very upset. Why would upset. I be upset about it? Well, just because you are. You're a bitter old man. All right. Anyway, commune with lava. Do you want to talk Com- about that? Yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, do you want to talk about that? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not upset about the legend rule change. I've been around long enough to see a few legend rule changes. I'm hearing a little bit of anxiety in your voice. Yeah, talking about this. Some, some bitterness there, some frustration you need to work through. Tell me about kindergarten. How did that go? <laughs> I... <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Brian, next. Commune with Lava. Uh, for X Red Red, it's an instant. Exile the top X cards of your library until the end of uh, until the end of your next turn. You may play those cards. So you pay five uh, X equal to five. So seven mana total. You're going to exile the top five cards of your library, and and you may play those cards. So those cards are exiled face up. So everybody gets to see them. Um, Playing the cards this way uh, follow the, uh, the 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 normal rules for for uh, playing a card. So if it's a spell that costs mana, you got to pay the mana. If it's got uh, timing uh, requirements, like it's a sorcery, then you can only play it during your main phase when the stack is empty. If it's a land, um, you can play that land, but only if you haven't played a land uh, yet this turn. And I believe you can only if you exile because this is an instant. You cannot play the land on your opponent's turn, even if Correct. you haven't played a land this turn. Never play a land on uh, outside of your turn. Yes. Um, and you can then put land onto the battlefield. That's not what this does. Yep. And then any cards that you don't play will remain exiled. So you still have to pay for them. If you don't use them, they stay over there. Use them or lose them. 
And there you go. Cool. So our next card is uh, Dance of the Skywise. It's an instant that costs one and a blue. It says, until end of turn, target creature you control becomes a blue dragon illusion with base power and toughness 4-4, loses all abilities, and gains flying. So its only ability should be flying once you've you've cast this. Um, So um let's see here it, it one interesting thing about this card is that uh while it will make something a dragon so th- that uh the creature will lose its other creature types if it has any um sorry a dra- dragon illusion uh it doesn't lose any other types so if it's like an artifact creature or a land creature it's still going to be an artifact or a land respectively um the real the real fun is when you cast this targeting a face down card Face down. Uh oh. Yeah. What about that one? So there's two different cases here. So one, if it's face down because you cast it either with morph or megamorph, then after that, after dance of the what's it called? Dance of the Dance of the Sky. That's not what it was called when I left. Uh, <laughs> was it was it called the Sky- Lord of the Dance? Uh, I have no comment. Uh, <laughs> after it resolves, you can't turn the creature face up. And the reason that is is Part of turning a creature that was cast face down with morph or megamorph face up is you reveal what its morph cost would be if it were face up. The problem is it's lost all its abilities, so it wouldn't have a morph or a megamorph cost, so you can't take that special action. Conversely, if you manifest a card and then dance of the skywise, you still can turn that card face up if the actual card itself is a creature card, because it'll still have a, a mana cost, so you can still pay that. Cool. So was that was that type of uh, I'll, I'll say because those are those are really two two different approaches or or they seem opposites of each other. Was that just kind of a concession to the to the whole uh, uh, we got to make sure that we don't have uh, instants and sorceries and stuff like that being creatures on the battlefield for any length of time. Yeah, I mean, originally uh, manifest as designed, you couldn't naturally turn the cards face up. They just stayed. Uh, the The trickery is, did I hit a card with more for Megamorph? That was kind of a little mini game. Uh, development decided that the the power level of that wasn't quite where, where they wanted it. So the ability to turn creatures face up, and they development specified creatures and not permanence uh so you can pay the mana cost and turn it face up it was important that we avoid situations where an instant or sorcery would end up on the battlefield we talked about that in the last episode yeah uh, so it has the somewhat unusual rule of it actually just looking at the card itself the card that the is representing the permanent as opposed to the permanent whose characteristics can change so it is it is very unusual for the game to ignore continuous effects and look at the actual printed card but that's what was necessary in this case to get all the interactions that we want. I like that kind of behind behind the curtain look at why this is that way. Cool. That's pretty awesome. So other you guys had me on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, other uh, stuff that could come up with this card, especially at the pre-release, is that it sets the creature's power and toughness, so it will overwrite any effects that set the power and toughness prior to casting dance of the, or resolving dance of the skywise. But any effects that uh, affect power and toughness other than that, such as adding plus one plus one counters or giant growth type effects that give it plus some amount or minus some amount, uh, will still apply no matter when they started to take effect. Uh, is there anything else about this card that we need to discuss? Nope. No. Matt. <laughs> no, it is. Moving on. What, is it, <laughs> what does a den protector sound like? A, a den protector? Yeah, what does he sound protector? like? Yeah. I don't know. Let's go back to that Facebook feed. <laughs> Facebook uh, uh, thread feed. Dot com um, slash judgecast. Technology. See, we've got... Once again, I'm checking out facebook.com slash judgecast. Oh. Oh. Where we're, where we're commenting on this. Yes. Um, 
let's see, we've got Pirate. Now, now as you guys know, I'm uh, a little bit pressed for time. So yes. in that spirit, I'm going to do the next card as Mark Rosewater. Perfect. Love it. I, that is the, the speed that we need at this point to be able to get through these cards. So... <laughs> I'm already laughing. I have to get. I've kind of got. Kind of get. Got to get in the zone here. Now sure. I'm not gonna get as high pitched as Mark because my because that's unnatural. Uh, I can't. My voice only has so much range. <laughs> but we're gonna get through this. All right, Den Protector. Is that where we're at? Yes. Yes. Den. I'm actually bringing up the release notes. Available now at magic.wizards.com. Yes. Uh, you too can follow along at home. Okay, Den Protector. Where did it go? It's gone. It's a 1G21. It's a human warrior. Creatures are powerless and Den Protector's power can't block it. It's got Megamorph 1G. When Den Protector is turned face up, return target creature from your grave into your hand. You compare Den Protector's power to the power of any creature trying to block it only if blockers are assigned. Once Den Protector has been legally blocked by a creature, changing the power of fire of the creature won't change or undo the block. Got it? Good. Great. Let's move on to the next card. What is it, guys? Display of Dominance. Too much time. Too much time. Display of Dominance. Let's read that one for you, everybody. Display of Dominance. You guys can put every card on here. If you put every card on here, I would have been able to find it a little bit easier because I'm following along on this webpage. So I'm searching the webpage for Display of Dominance and it just came up. Great. 1G. <laughs> it's an instant. It's a modal spell. You choose one. You destroy target blue or black non-creature permanent or permanent to control can't be the target of blue or black spells your opponent's control this turn. Now it's a modal spell, so of course you're going to choose the mode as you're casting it. And once you've chosen it, that mode is locked in. So you can't change your mind even if, you know, on resolution something is changed. Let's check out the bullet points for this card. If you choose the second mode, and if a permanent you control is being targeted by a spell when Display of Dominance resolves, nothing happens right away. Weird, right? When that spell would resolve, its color is checked. If it's blue or black at that time, the permanent that will be the legal target for the spell and won't be affected by it. Isn't that amazing? If all the spell's targets have become illegal by the time it would resolve, it's countered and you should buy Apple products. <laughs> if you choose the second mode, no new blue or black spell may be cast by an opponent that turn, targeting permanent you control after display of dominance resolves, even if you, like me, hate bananas. If you choose the second mode, display of dominance will affect any permanent you happen to control at any time during the rest of the turn, not just permanents you control as it resolves. That's because it doesn't grant an ability to those permanents, rather, it affects the game rules and states something that's now true about those permanents. I guess that's something the rules manager did. I don't really understand it. Keep in mind, <laughs> And an aura spell targets the permanent it will enchant, but an aura on the battlefield doesn't target the permanent it's attached to. Permanents you control may be the targets of spells from blue-black sources controlled by your opponents, because display dominance only affects spells. Wow. <laughs> wow. All right. That was awesome. That was that was awesome. Thank you. All right, I, I think CJ, you're up with the next. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. I can't follow this. Why do we even have a podcast anymore? If you have been upstage. Yeah. Sir. If Matt's shutting us down like this. All right. Ooh, okay. Uh, Enduring Scale Lord is a four-four dragon. Reads whenever one or more plus one plus one counters are placed on another creature you control, you may put a plus one plus one counter on Enduring Scale Lord. So. One thing to note that people don't understand is that uh, a creature entering the battlefield with counters on it counts as them being placed, like a Hydra or the Khan from the first set that entered like that. Uh, they all count as counters being placed, even though they're just entering the battlefield. Uh, along the same lines, Megamorphing will count as counters being placed. The act of it getting counters as its turn face up counts as being placed. 
if multiple plus one plus one counters are put on one single creature, the Enduring Scale Lord will only trigger once. If one or more creatures get counters, get any amount of counters, plus one plus one counters, it will trigger for each creature that got counters. And my favorite part about this guy, he is quite enduring because if you have two of these out and one of them triggers, they end up going infinite with each other. And what well, they in, in, Infinite? Infinite, quote unquote. Until you choose otherwise. Until you choose otherwise. And yes, the important part there is you must choose otherwise. These are may triggers. So you have the option to stop. So you're basically going to say, I'm going to loop this a million times. And then someone will cast something on you that makes the creature deal damage equal to its power to you. And you're going to be like, oh, whoops. I don't know if anything like that's in the set, but yeah. it exists. I can tell you when Enduring Skill Lord got previewed, I, I definitely received the question over and over again. Hey, did you notice that if you have two of these, you can just make them as large as you want? And I assure <laughs> you, it was the first thing I noticed. <laughs> it's why it ended up with the UMA, and development uh, was very, very aware, and they ran with it. So if you think you can do something awesome with that, please do. That's that's why it's there. Nice. All right. Speaking of something awesome, the next card, Living Lore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 it's also uh, the brother of living data. Uh, ah. uh, there you go. Uh, for three and a blue is a star star creature avatar, uh, it, which has three linked abilities. These are all linked, correct? Uh, uh, as living lore enters the battlefield, exile an instant or sorcery card from your graveyard. Uh, living lore's power and toughness are each equal to the exile card's converted mana cost. And whenever Living Lore deals combat damage, you may sacrifice it. If you do, uh, you may cast the Exiled card without paying its mana cost. So, um, when you pay Living Lore, and let's say there are no instants or sorcery cards in your graveyard, uh, it's going to enter the battlefield as a 0-0, and unless you have, you know, a Crusade or Gaia's Anthem or... Uh, uh, Glorious Anthem, not Crusade because it's not white. <laughs> um, yeah. It's going to be put in the graveyard uh, for having zero toughness. Probably uh, not your best play. Yeah. Uh, if it leaves the battlefield, um, the the ability that defined its power and toughness will lose track of the exiled card, so its power is going to become zero uh, everywhere else. So if when it's in the graveyard, it's going to be a zero zero. When it's in your library, it's a zero zero. If it gets exiled, it's a zero zero. Uh, similarly, if the exiled card also, uh, uh, somehow goes away, gets shuffled back into your library or something like that, uh, the living lore will become a zero, zero and will die based, uh, not die. It'll just be put in the graveyard based on, uh, state-based actions. So it's kind of like imprint in that regard, isn't it? It's very much imprint. Um, Let's see here. Uh, so when it deals the combat damage and you get to sacrifice it and then you get to cast the exiled card without paying its mana cost, uh, you do get to ignore the timing restrictions on the sorcery. So you can you you play it. Basically, you have to play the spell right away. And if it's a sorcery, you can play it, even if it's at a time that you, you normally couldn't. Um, since yeah, the, only, the only restrictions you have to follow, there are just some older cards have timing restrictions like cast this spell only during combat. You still have to follow those. But those types of timing restrictions are pretty unusual nowadays. Uh, so since you are casting it without paying its mana cost, that's an alternate cost. So you can't pay other alternate costs, but you can pay additional costs like kicker and stuff like that. And if there's mandatory additional costs like Thalia, you got to pay those. Um, and then, and this is breaking news today, I guess, uh, uh, if you exile a split card, uh, a sorcery, split sorcery, then 
uh, you get to get both its uh, both cards, the sum of the converted mana cost on both halves. For yeah, the this is a very popular question uh, today. We, I thought about it when writing the release notes, but more and more those are aimed at kind of getting people through the pre-releases, and I just I didn't think it was going to come up that much, so it didn't make the cut there, but certainly has been a popular question. So when you cast the card, how does that work? And what if it has Fuse when you well, cast not, a split card? Well, you're not casting it from your hand. Thank you. Yeah, you can't, Fuse only you applies can't fuse it. from your hand. Yeah, guys. I refuse to answer that question. Uh, you're acting like I don't... I, I'm asking for the listener base. I know. You're like, CJ, why are you so dumb? You can't. Hey, if anyone's asking a rules question on this show that they don't know the answer to... It's you. Oh, oh. Oh, well, you didn't say it first. Hey, I just want you guys to know if I say something stupid, um, I'm just doing that like for the listener. Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. It's perfect, isn't it? Yeah. I realize, dude. It's for the listener. Or if you say something that sounds stupid, well, you'll just go over to your keyboard and suddenly you'll be right. Yeah, I'll just do a little bit of yeah, editing. Yeah, I'm, oh. like, I'm just like, I know what's going on. I'm just testing yeah. you guys. <laughs> All right, Jess, will you tell us about Ojutai's breath? Ojutai's breath. It's cold. Right? It's freezing breath. Uh, so it, he had lunch involving lots of garlic. <laughs> yes. Uh, so it's a uh, two and a blue. It's an instant. It says tap target creature. It doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. This card has rebound, which is something we discussed in some length in our last episode. Um, can, we, can, we, can we talk about it again? Would no. <laughs> it's uh, it's back again. Who would have thought? Uh, just keeps coming back. So this can target a creature that's already tapped, which is probably the most common question I get about these kinds of effects. Um, that creature still won't untap during its controller's next untap step. Um, and if somehow the creature changes control, uh, it it wants to know who, you know, it, it doesn't really care who's the controller at any given time. It just cares if it goes through an untapped step of its controller. So it doesn't really matter who's controlling it at the time. That's the untapped step it skips. It's the first one it comes to where it's controlled by the active player. Yeah, so if you keep swapping this guy around, it could stay tapped for a long time, as long as it's it's never there during someone's untapped step. Right, yeah. All right. So, so, so boomerang breath, as I'm going to call this card, uh, can get awkward if you switch creatures around. Cause All right. To, anyway, Matt, do you got a you got another one in you? Another voice? We can do we can do one more. One more. I'm getting smiles. <laughs> you feel like you feel like the joke still got a little bit left in it, but not. Oh too yeah, much. yeah, that's yeah. the thing with jokes. Like you know, if you go too far, it's not funny. But if you just ignore that and keep going, often you'll find funny again. Yeah. <laughs> So we're definitely at the point where it's no longer funny, but right. I say we, we persevere because sure. who knows what comedic genius waits on the other side. So, uh, so what's up next? Someone said uh, the voice of a My Little Pony friendship is magic character of his choosing, and he has to really commit to it. I would. I don't know what any of those voices are. Yeah. Um, I'm really sorry about that. I can tell you that My Little Pony is a an awesome Hasbro brand. If you want to learn more about it, you can go to Hasbro.com. Uh, information there on Transformers, Hasbro. Hasbro I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you, you subtly reminded us that it's a Hasbro product before I said on some things. <laughs> and Strike, uh, you can buy online at HasbroToyShop.com. And, and I'm not here just here to shill. You may think uh, I'm just here to sell you stuff, and that's not true. Uh, certainly, if you went to locator.wizards.com and found a game store near you, sure. 
out here is on sale this weekend. We've got pre-release events, oh, super okay. fun, join your local community, gather with players in your area and play with these awesome new cards uh, before they're even uh, it's true. standard. In fact, according to the magic rules, that is the only legal way to find tournaments. That's true. Yeah, don't ask your friends. You're violating a rule. Judges may show up at your door. That's true. <laughs> to... I'm gonna start asking. Start asking my opponents. <laughs> well, how did you find out about this tournament? Oh, I'm supposed to do a voice. Um, yeah, and let's jump forward a few cards to Silk Wrap. I think that one will be better. Silk Wrap. Let me. Yeah. Uh, I think we'll have to wrap this. Then is that true? Yeah, <laughs> it is true. It took me a second to figure out what you're even saying. Yes, you could totally wrap this. Yes. Silk Wrap. Oh, this one's got a lot of bullet points. Do I have to? This is no. You can, no. You can do whatever you want. Oh, great. Um, Silk Wrap uh, is an enchantment. So let me just read Silk Wrap normally here. Okay. Uh, when Silk Wrap enters a battlefield, exile its target creature with converted mana cost three or less and opponent controls until Silk Wrap leaves the battlefield. So this is very similar to uh, Banisher Priest and that style of effect that we came up with a few sets ago yeah. to address some issues. Do you guys talk about the, the new the new o-ring template uh, yes we did we we have discussed that okay that's in a previous episode people can go listen to that yeah absolutely well, everything's in a previous episode <laughs> oh. uh that that would actually be in uh the release notes for what was the first set that had a card like that it was like m15 i think it was m15 yeah, yeah. It, would be, it would be in the release notes for that set that we discussed the reasons behind that change oh we can ask about the reason behind uh, why Colossal Whale is only a 5-5. Five five. That was also in that <laughs> release notes. Colossal Whale. If you look at that thing, that thing is easily uh, three miles large, and it's only yeah. a 5-5. Five five. These are the things we decided to talk to Tavak about. <laughs> Magic's, Magic's power and toughness system don't allow for an enormous amount of you know, like gradation here, like how big is a house cat versus how big is a human versus how big is an elf versus how big is a whale. Uh, yeah, maybe... Five, five. That's pretty colossal. That ship is getting tossed, man. That thing, that whale could eat Emrakul. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem. It's not. Anyway. Anyway. Emrakul is much. So, so... You have to look for the scale birds. It's all about the scale birds. <laughs> this one has scale boats. That's the this point. Scale like... boats, right? If you've got scale boats or like scale, you know, I don't know, ships, <laughs> scale moose. So silk, silk wrap is a lot like... Uh, Banisher Priest. It has a zone change with the duration. Uh, this is a new, well, it's, I guess it's really not, it's not new anymore. Uh, it's a style of ability that's somewhat reminiscent of older cards like Oblivion Ring. However, I'm just reading the bullet point. Unlike Oblivion Ring, cards like Silk Wrap have a single ability that creates two one-shot effects. One that exiles the creature when the ability resolves, and another that returns the exiled card to the battlefield immediately after Silk Wrap leaves the battlefield. Uh, do, 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 do. So, like, let's say I got a, a Hydra or something where I paid, you know, five for it, so it comes in with five plus one plus one counters. The okay. remainder so. of the interview will be in bad Russian accent. Okay. Please state your question efficiently. <laughs> Uh, so if I have if I have one of those hydras where it's like you know X green green and I paid five for it so I got the 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 five plus one plus one counters on it can I silk wrap that? If uh, card has X in mana cost on battlefield X zero, it only have chosen value on stake. Right. On battlefield X G G converted mana cost two. Okay. And then uh, if I get rid of Silk Wrap uh, and the Hydra comes back, uh, what happens? Does it get we, them counters back? We party for welcoming big Hydra. Hello, Hydra. Oh, no. Toughness zero. He's <laughs> go bye-bye right away. <laughs> 
So what if, what if it's a face down card that I exile with Silkraft? What happens when it comes back and and what does it look like in exile? It go exile face up. Oh. It come back face up. If you uh, manifest instant or sorcery, exile face up. No come back. Try come back. Game say no no no. You instant sorcery. You stay in exile. <laughs> All right, I think Silkraft's right. covered. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that wrapped it up nicely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just glad I didn't have to wrap. I was, I was looking for some sort of like, in Soviet Russia, uh, Silkraft exiles you or something. <laughs> Wait, that's what it does normally. I know. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't come up with anything good. All right. It does work in Soviet Russia, same as work here. <laughs> Rules universal. <laughs> All right, CJ. What? Oh, is it me? Yeah, you're up. Yeah. Oh, Shaman of the Forgotten Ways. Adds two mana of any in any combination of colors to your mana pool. Spin this mana only to cast creature spells. And then it also has a formidable ability, which is each player's life total becomes the number of creatures he or she controls. Activate this ability only if creatures you control have total power eight. This or is a greater. fascinating card for a couple of reasons. Uh, the first reason is because the last card was Silk Wrap, which indicates to me we are now traveling through the alphabet backwards. Yeah, what happened there? Secondly, uh, so this has a formidable ability uh, that's a condition to activate the ability. And this is uh, reminiscent of the old card Biorhythm. Yes. Uh, most of the time, if you if you engineer this correctly, the second the second activated ability will end the game, for those of you wondering why it costs 11. <laughs> Hint. Do it when your opponent has no creatures. Yes. yes. Hint. Uh, this is a pretty <laughs> awesome card, though. Uh, it's got a good body for 2G, 2-3 creature. Uh, of course, you're in most limited formats and in, in most constructed formats also, you're going to be casting lots of creature spells, so this ramps you up pretty quickly. You can use that mana to cast face-down creature spells with you know more for Megamorph if you've got those. Cool. Uh, but not to manifest or... Yeah, not to right. manifest. I mean, manifest is, is manifest. usually an ability. Like, a, right. if it's a spell that instructs you to manifest, no, that is not a creature spell. Right. Yep. But even even to, to even to pay the creature's mana cost, you know, when you're manifesting it and turning the creature face up. Oh uh, right. Not even actually casting it. Cost, you're not you're not casting a creature spell that way. You're just paying the mana cost. So correct, mana from Shaman of Forgotten Ways cannot be used for that. All right. Let's talk about Taylor Swift's War Kite. All this right. is one of my. This is my favorite new dragon. Well, do you, because, you want to do it then? Yeah, just do it. I mean, I can, sure. Yeah, but both because of the Taylor Swift reference and uh, and and because it's actually an awesome card. Uh, so the uh, the card says has flying. It's a four four. It says when Taylor Swift Warkite enters the battlefield, you may put a creature card with converted mana cost three or less from your hand or graveyard onto the battlefield. That creature gains haste. Return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. Um, Obviously, this does nothing with face-down creatures. Uh, it is a delayed zone change trigger, uh, which is a thing that'll matter at competitive REL, but it's a thing people can frequently forget. And uh, even if the creature is... is or sorry, even if the Warkite is dead at the end step, you're still going to apply that effect and, and return it to your hand. So it uh, it basically is dashing in creatures. Uh, but it can also do it from the graveyard, yeah. uh, which which can give you creatures back. So this is why this card is, is so much fun, in my opinion, is it's a weird way of kind of reanimating things. That's cool. All right. I, uh, I had I had Swift Warkite in a pretty recent playtest. Uh, and when I cast it, my opponent was at 22. But I told him, I knew you were in trouble as soon as I drew this card. Oh. Because <laughs> Everything was, has changed. Um, was was your opponent Becky? <laughs> uh, no. 
<laughs> it's not right. Becky. No, no it was Becky. Becky. I knew that Becky. my opponent would no longer be safe and sound, and if I I would win, and I knew there might be some bad blood, but I, I sure. convinced myself that I could just shake it off. Oh, win the game. <laughs> I want you to know we did this two episodes ago. <laughs> but but the difference is I got them all now. Yeah, you got them now. <laughs> yeah, there were seven Taylor Swift song titles in that sentence, by the way. Yes, it was fantastic. <laughs> For those of you counting. <laughs> Hi, Brian. Uh, okay, Twin twin Bolt. No. Uh, okay, fine. What is it? Did I miss? Twin Bolt okay. deals two damage divided as you choose among one or two target creatures and or players. If you choose two targets, both have to take at least one. Now do ultimate price. What, why did you want me to? Okay. Ow. I was okay. trying to taste okay. past that. Okay, okay. Uh, for one and a black, it's an instant. Uh, ultimate price is destroy target monocolored creature. All right. Uh, the two the two points of this that are really important is a monocolored creature has exactly one color. Okay. That's very interesting, Brian. What about my face down creatures or your, like my artifact creatures? Your yeah, face down. They are not monocolored. They have no color. So so morph dudes and artifact creatures cannot pay the ultimate price. Okay. Oh, that's it. All right. Let's talk about Warbury real quick, and then I want Matt to wrap us up with Sarkin Unbroken. What was that? The, the card or the voice? Both. Because I don't know what Sarkin sounds like. Uh, he's in the trailer. He's oh. Like, I'm very <laughs> angsty about dragons. Need to go watch trailer <laughs> BRB. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Warbringers, three and a red. Dash costs you pay costs two less. And he also has dash. Obviously, he doesn't make himself cost less. And I think it's worth noting that each individual dash cost you pay with him out will cost two less. It's not like it's not like you have this two pseudo mana to pay for a single dash cost. If you have three, if you have four of this guy in your hand, his dash is two and an R, you could dash the first one and then dash each additional one for red. Such value. Such value. And I don't know if it's obvious. I mean, we put reminder text on the card just to be sure. Hashtag value. Yes. Yeah. All right, Matt, will you tell us about Sarkin Unbroken and then we can wrap up? Uh, Sarkin Unbroken. He, I don't know what he sounds like. <laughs> but I'm I did I did actually watch this trailer but a very long time ago. Right, that makes sense. Uh and did he not uh where is Sarkin Unbroken? Stand by. I'm looking him up. Did he not make it in the FAQ? He didn't actually he didn't make it. I only really wanted to talk about his first is this, ability. Is this the uh, first okay. time a planeswalker hasn't made it into the release notes? Like, I maybe think it is. Uh, no, because Narset is also not. not in the release notes. I can imagine uh a few planeswalkers. His ability are pretty straightforward so there really weren't a whole lot of uh, questions to answer yeah a, it's mostly uh, the confusion of his first ability being a mana ability uh so it reads plus one draw a card then add one mana of any color to your mana pool which by the way in the past we had a negative loyalty for abilities like this and now you get to draw a card back in my day we yeah. lost loyalty when we drew cards Ooh, um, back in my I mean, day we look, had planeswalkers in the release notes go look at baby jay back in my day we didn't have planeswalkers that wasn't Aww. a thing players are smarter now you need to get over that <laughs> and it's not a um but that ability is not a mana ability do you know why because matt tayback said so right or Pretty probably much. probably mark uh, gottlieb caves said so or cough, i am rather. going to imagine that sarkin talks like this that sounds about right and his first ability is not a mana ability because loyalty abilities cannot be mana abilities <laughs> that'd be confusing yeah dumb you really went into the uh the sea captain from simpsons there i think <laughs> Just a little Sometimes bit. When I'm doing a voice at ships, especially <laughs> later in the day when my voice is scratchy. All right. Well, we have a new level three. His name is Stephen Classen. Congrats, Stephen and Matt. Thank you so much for Congrats, being Stephen. on with us. 
New L3, where is he from? Hawaii. Uh, sure. Hawaii? No, that's where it's, it's actually where he's from. I believe you. We should go thank him for his service personally. I am down. We should yeah, do it. Let's do like, it. Next make week. another proof. We should, Steve, another if, proof if, there. if we show up at your door in a few days, don't be too surprised. Yeah. And I'm going to need at least a king size bet. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to need a, a Kickstarter. Send us to Hawaii. <laughs> oh, that would be the awesome. Does Kickstarter do that? Like the Matt Tabak would really like a new stereo fund or something? Uh, not technically, if, if, but. I mean, if you could like, justify it as an artistic endeavor, Hold then on. you could probably get away with it. Hold on. GoFundMe.com is a website website where you can basically just ask for things like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I want a television give me money cyber banking i'm down <laughs> basically yes uh before All right. i go let's see what do i want to say yeah you can say whatever you want here you could you i'm can... really thinking about a new podcast yeah uh look for that dropping at the beginning of april perhaps the first day of april mm thinking about that and uh thanks all the listeners out there thank you again to all the judges we love you uh good luck this weekend at your pre-release events and if you have questions please feel free to hit up judgecast on twitter or yes. anybody Facebook. else on twitter or me on twitter yeah uh or check out my tumblr i will happily answer a good number of your questions i don't have time to get everybody but i try to get as many as i can and uh thank you guys for having me on it's been a blast yes thank you for coming on our voice is limping to the end, but I'm, I'm, I'm down. Yeah. And uh, this is awesome. Your podcast is sweet. We love it. We 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 heart judges here in R&D, so. Oh. Thank oh. you very much. That well, means we, a lot to me. We heart you guys, too. Yeah, we really do. <laughs> I'm, I'm making I'm making the little hand sign. Uh, you know, I'm also together. making a hand sign toward you guys. Aww. Aww. <laughs> All right, well. That's the heart. It's the heart. It's the heart. Already, hands already handled our plugs, so if you want to contact us, you can at judgecast.gmail.com, but beyond that, that's it. Um, yeah, thanks again, Matt. My pleasure, anytime. All right, so my name's CJ Schrader. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlman. I keep it under an hour. Ooh, it's really a first. Yeah. Someone just tweeted you guys, or just just like an hour ago. Please have me read the release notes in his most seductive voice. <laughs> that, the Mark Rosewater voice. Yeah, that's it. That was that was pretty seductive.